Good morning. You guys ready to go and want to change? Awesome. Glad you're here. We're starting a new series today called No Worries. And we're so happy that you're here. If there's ever a series that catches everybody that walks through the door, this is it. This is the one. There's no one that came here today that can go, ah, it doesn't really apply to me. Everybody here has at some point in time in their life been caught up in worry. In fact, I would say that just based on observation, that um, we are in a worry epidemic. I don't know if it's any worse than it ever has been. I mean, Jesus talked about it a lot. The writers in the Bible discuss worry and care and anxiety and those things a great deal. So it kind of leads me to believe that it's always been a problem. But boy, when you look around today, we are a worried bunch of people. We worry about our job. We worry about our finances. We worry about our kids. We worry about our health. We worry about the state of the economy. We worry about terrorism. We worry, we worry because we're worrying too much. We worry if, I don't, if I'm not worrying, then I'm worried I'm not worrying enough. I mean, we know how to worry. And it impacts us in such a negative way. It really does. And we do whatever we can to shield ourselves from it, right? I mean, we buy insurance to protect our stuff, protect our health. We, we uh, buy risk-free investments. <laughs> yeah, right. We buy those because we don't want to have to worry about our money. We helicopter over our kids because we don't want something bad to happen to them. And yet, at the end of the day, we still find ourselves caught up in this cycle of worry. And it's just literally killing us. We're worrying ourselves to death. I mean, it impacts us physically. I mean, studies have shown that worry has so many negative impacts upon our, on our, on our life, on our bodies. It, it, it impacts us emotionally. And it also impacts us spiritually. We don't often think about that. We are in a worry epidemic. You know, I love the Australian phrase that we've titled this series after, no worries. I wish I had the accent. I, I do, so I could say, no worries, mate. You know, that, I love that. You know, I, I don't know. I've always been fascinated with the Australian culture. I think it started with Crocodile Dundee. I don't know, something like that. Right? Nick, there's not, there's, he was such a good bloke. He really was. Is that Australian or English? I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't matter. It's all the same. I love that phrase, no worries. And we would say, you know, American equivalent is, ah, don't worry about it or forget about it. You know, or whatever. We would say that. But those are things that are easier said than done, right? If I say, you come to me with this huge problem, I say, ah, no worries. You're like, thanks. I appreciate that. Ah, don't worry about it. Easier said than done. But what if we could live a life free from worry? Would that be a life you'd be interested in? Absolutely. Without question. What if no worries could become our new life mantra? We just lived life by that phrase. No worries. Is that even possible, though? I mean, it seems so far-fetched, doesn't it? To think that I could live a life free from worry. But I think it can be a reality. I really do. In fact, I would submit to you that you weren't created to worry. 
fact, I think that's why it has such a negative impact on us. I think that's why it impacts us such, in such a way physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Because you were never created for that capacity. And so when we get engaged in this worry fest, it has such an impact on us because that's not the way you're built. And so I think it is possible. I think it's possible for us to have this life free from worry. I think we can live there. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about that. How we can live a life free from worry. And we're going to talk about three different things, three different adjustments that we have to make in our life in order for us to be able to say, no worries. We're going to have to adjust our priorities. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to have to adjust the way we pray. We'll talk about that next week. And we're going to have to adjust our perspective on life. We'll talk about that in week three as we go through this series. It's going to take some work. But I think that all of us, through the study of God's Word, and through these adjustments that I think God's Word wants us to make, can live a life that is worry-free, or at least lessen the amount of worry that we experience on a daily basis. So today we're going to talk about uh, a a story or a passage in in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Incredibly uh, practical passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 6 and verse uh, 25. We're going to put it on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. If you'd like one, there's one in the back. Uh, We'd certainly be glad to give you one. You can take it and use it if you want to have one to look at uh, this morning. But let's look in Matthew chapter 6 and let's start reading in verse 25. It says, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Let's stop there for a second. Now, uh, the King James uses the old English expression, take no thought. Now, he's not saying, hey, don't give any thought to your life. That's not very good advice. But that take no thought is an old English way of saying don't worry or don't, ha- don't have anxiety about this. And so that's what he's saying. He's not telling us to, to not think about life. In fact, the Bible encourages you to do that. Think about your life and make adjustments where you need to. But he's saying, don't worry about it. No worries. That seems kind of odd, doesn't it? I mean, there's plenty to worry about. I mean, when we look around in our life and we look at our circumstances and the situations that we face, there's a lot to worry about, right? I mean, Jesus, historically, in the context of this section... He talks about three different things that the people at that time were evidently had some anxiety about. He says, you guys are, don't, don't think about what you're going to eat. Don't think about what you're going to drink. Don't think about what you're going to wear. So he mentions food, drink, and clothing. Now, you and I, living when we live and where we live, probably don't give a lot of thought to the quantity of food, unless it's about reducing <laughs> the quantity of food. That we, when we think about the quality of food, right? We think, well, does this have additives in it? Is this organic? Is it not organic? And, you know, is, are there carcinogens in this? And, you know, all these things. So we think about those kinds of things. And we, we worry about things like, you know, our, our, our financial security. We worry about our health. We worry about, our, as I said earlier, our kids and our relationships and 
all these things. So with all this stuff in our life that causes us to worry, how in the world can Jesus say, don't worry about it? Doesn't seem right, does it? And yet that's exactly what he tells us to do. Not worry about it. He's not promoting this lazy, lackluster, laissez-faire, surfer dude mentality. Hey, let's all go to the beach and hang out kind of lifestyle. That's not what he's saying. He's not encouraging us to do that. But he's talking about priorities. He's talking about focus. Because here's what I found. Is that when my priorities get out of whack and my focus gets off where it should be, the result of that in my life is worry. That's when I begin to worry in my life. In fact, here's our our kind of main thought for today, if you want to write this down. When my worry level rises, when my focus lowers, my worry level rises... When my focus lowers. In other words, when I get my eyes off of what they should be on and I begin to focus on the things of this life, my anxiety level increases. Isn't it unusual? Now, Jesus historically talks about, hey, don't, don't worry about your, your food, your drink, and your clothing. And then you and I, we have so, we own my house and my cars and all these things that we have. And there's nothing wrong with having those things. But isn't it odd that the more we have, the more we worry? That's true. The more stuff I've got, the more things I have to worry about. And so the answer isn't things of this world. It's a matter of focus. What am I focusing on? What is my priority in life? Let's keep going here in our passage. In verse 26, it says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take you thought for, uh, for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth not. uh, For your Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. You know, if I could summarize that whole little passage that we just read, I would say this. Worry accomplishes nothing. In fact, if we're we're being honest, we would have to say it's senseless. (laughs) To worry is really senseless. He draws our attention to the creation, doesn't he? He says, hey, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Do do the bird, you ever seen a a bird chew its toenails? I've never seen that, you know, up on the wire. I've never seen that happen. Why? Because they know the creation doesn't worry. And yet God provides for them. He says, "Look look at the flowers of the field. 
it's senseless for you and I to worry. Isn't God going to provide for us? Either he will or he won't. Do we trust him to do that? He's not saying don't work, but he's saying don't worry while you work. Worry while you work. <laughs> yeah, that's our, we go off to work every day, and that's what we do. He says don't do that. Don't do that. It's a senseless thing. Not only that, it's fruitless. Not only is it senseless, it's fruitless. There's no fruit that comes from it. There's no, there's no payoff. There's no benefit to it. He says, which of you is going to add an inch to your height by worrying about it? If you people who are here that are vertically challenged, how many of you, how many of you, don't be looking at people, don't look around the room. How many of you, by sitting at home at night going, oh, I'm just worried that I, I wish I was taller, that you just sprout up all of a sudden? It doesn't happen that way, does it? How many of us can add a day or a minute to our life by worrying about it? It's a fruitless proposition. You know what it's like? I hope there's nobody in the nursery going, where in the world is our rocking chair? Because I stole this out of there today. You know what a worry is like? It's like a rocking chair. Lots of motion, but I'm not going anywhere. Lots of movement, lots of activity. I'm just going to stay here the rest of the message. This is great. But I'm not moving anywhere. That's what worry is. You know, it's, it's like going out to your car, starting it up, leaving it in park, and then just revving your engine as hard as you can go. Eventually, it's going to blow up. And that's what worry is. It's lots of activity. It's lots of movement. It's lots of anxiety. It feels like there's a lot going on, but you're actually not changing anything. You're just staying the same. It's a fruitless proposition. Now, as I look around the room, this, the people here, you're, you're of above average intelligence. I can tell by looking at you. This is a smart, some of you are laughing too hard on that. This is a smart group of people. And so, I have to ask myself, why would such a smart group of people, me included, engage... <laughs> Why would we engage in senseless and fruitless activity? I mean, we're smart people. Why would I continue to be involved in something that's senseless and something that's fruitless, that's counterproductive? Not only does it not help me to accomplish what I desire to have happen, it actually has a negative impact. Not only is it senseless, not only is it fruitless, but it is harmful. It actually is counterproductive. It doesn't help the situation at all. It hurts you. As I said earlier, studies have shown that worry, anxiety, has a very negative impact upon us physically. It gives us ulcers, backaches, headaches, insomnia, all of these things associated with worry that are hurting us physically. It hurts us emotionally. And it hurts us spiritually. 
I think back to the story in Matthew 13 about the sower and the seed. And as the sower begins to sow the seed in the field that says it has thorns in it, the thorns come up and they choke the seed. And that whole story is about worry and about how worry, the cares of this world, he calls it, choke out the things that God is trying to do in your life. So often, God is trying to speak into our life. He's trying to, he's trying to do things in our heart. He's trying to work in our life. And the anxiety that we have in our life actually comes up and chokes out what God is trying to do in our life. How many times have I, and I'm sure you can relate to this, have I picked up my Bible to sit down for my devotional time and I start to read and then the mind just goes and I begin to worry about something that's going on. What's happening there? What God desires to do in my heart is being choked out by the thing that I'm worried about. In verse 33, it says this, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let me give you three ways that you can battle worry in your life. Three things that we can do that are going to help us to battle worry in our life. We all experience it. We all go through it. We all struggle with it. We know that it doesn't make sense. We know it's senseless and fruitless and actually hurts us, but we still continue to struggle with it. So how can we battle it? How can we defeat worry in our lives. Let me give you three things. The first one is this. Trust your heavenly Father. Trust your heavenly Father. If we could sum that up in a word, it would be this. Faith. Faith. Earlier in the passage that we read in verse 32, it says, God knows what you need. God understands your circumstances and your situation. He knows the things that you need in your life the things that you're worried about. It also says, up in verse 30 of the passage that we just read, Jesus kind of throws this little phrase at the end of this. He says, O you of little, what was the word? Faith. Whoa, did you see that? That kind of sticks us right in the heart, doesn't it? He's saying, you're all bent up about this stuff. You're all worried about this stuff. You're all worried about the things and the affairs of life. O you of little faith. You see, faith and worry cannot occupy the same space at the same time. When I have big faith, I have little worry. When I have little faith, I have big worry going on in my life. Those two things run contrary to one another. And when I'm living a life of worry, my life is defined by worry, I'm living as though God doesn't exist. That's the reality. That's the reality. Maybe you're here and you think, well, I'm just, I'm a worrier. According to the Bible, what we need to work on is building that faith, that trust of him, that trust in God, so that I'm not living life like he doesn't exist. You know, there are things in life 
that kind of show us where we are spiritually. I had one last, almost a year ago, last June. Carrie and I bought, um, bought a home. And I got to tell you, there, there, hasn't been, there haven't been many things in my life that have been more revealing about my spiritual condition than that process. I mean, from the very beginning to the very end, I was a wreck. I mean, I worried about the offer we made on the house, whether they would accept the offer. I worried about whether or not we'd get approved for the loan. I worried about the inspection on the house. I worried about whether or not they'd fix the things that we wanted fixed with the inspection. I worried about whether or not we'd have enough money to close. I worried about whether or not, you know, the other foot was going to fall at the closing of the house. From beginning to end, I was a wreck. It kept me up at night. I was grouchy, grouchier than I usually am. I mean, it was bad news. But all through that process, I kept thinking, what, what is wrong with me? What am I doing? Why am I so bent up about this? Why do I have such anxiety about this? Maybe you've been through something like that, or you've got something going on. Yeah, I see how it's going. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, yeah. We've all have, we all have had something. Maybe it wasn't a house purchase, but it was something in your life, and you thought... Oh, it's keeping me up. I feel my heart's beating faster. A shortness of breath. You know, I, all this stuff. I'm so worried about this situation. And what I found out about myself is that I wasn't really trusting God as much as I might have wanted to been trusting Him through that process. My faith was pretty small as it related to that part of my life. I believe in God. I believe he created everything. I believe he's all-powerful. And yet, I allowed my focus to move from him down here. I began to look at the circumstances of my life. And when I did that, my anxiety level started to increase. Because I got my eyes off of him. I wasn't really trusting him the way that I should. Where does that trust come from, though? Where does that faith come from? comes from a relationship. It comes from experience. I mean, if, if I just meet you, I don't really trust you as much as I trust my wife. No offense. But I know her a little bit better than I know you. And so that trust, that faith in you, is built over time, isn't it? The same is true with God. As we grow in our relationship with Him, as we experience Him come through for us in our life, through circumstances, through situations that we may face where we're trusting Him totally and He comes through, that gives me faith for the next time, for the next situation, to know that He's my Father, that He cares for me abundantly, and that He will provide for my needs. In fact, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 Great verse. It says this. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? He will supply all your <laughs> need 
I didn't say want. But your need, he will supply. He will come through. He will take care of you. He know, he, you are his child and he loves you. He will come through for you. Number two. So we need to trust him. Trust our Heavenly Father. Number two. We need to make God our priority. We need to make God our priority. In verse 33, it said, Seek ye, what was the word? First. Oh. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's our priority. It needs to have the number one spot in our life. We need to be pursuing the things of his kingdom. We need to be seeking to live life like he is. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pursuing the things of God. Seeking to live life like he lived life in his righteousness. Channeling all my efforts toward kingdom causes and not getting caught up in things that are only temporary. Things that won't last. You see, when I get my eyes off of him and and making him priority, and I begin to pursue the things of this world, my worry increases, but I'm also making a bad choice, a bad investment, because I'm investing in things that aren't going to last. And so he encourages us to make him our priority. Instead of our priority being my comfort, my financial security, instead of it being way I look, what I wear, instead of those being my priority. Again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with those things necessarily. But instead of those things being my priority, I make him my priority. Seeking him my priority. I desire to be and seeking his presence instead of only seeking the presence that he can give me. Does that make sense? Seeking him instead of just seeking what he can give me. That's a pretty selfish motive, isn't it? And we all fall into that. God, do this. God, give me this. God, come through. God, I need this. God, instead of just seeking him, we seek what he can give. We need to seek him. When my worry level is rising, it's because my focus is lowering. And I've made something else the priority of my life. Let me ask you a question. Does God occupy the number one spot in your heart? Does God occupy the number one spot in your heart? That's a tough question, isn't it? And maybe the answer changes moment to moment, day to day. But generally speaking, does he occupy the number one spot in your heart? Things are always trying to creep into that space. And when I allow that to take place in my life, I begin to worry. But when he is my central focus, when my pursuit of him is what my life is all about, then my worry is going to decrease. So what does that mean? I mean, do, should we all become monks? <laughs> I mean, should we all, seriously, I mean, should we, should we move you know, to a monastery somewhere and then just make God, 
you know, just so we can focus on God and he's our number one priority all the time. I mean, should, should that be the way that we live life? Is that how we make God our number one priority? Is that how we can seek him first and foremost in our life? Not at all. In fact, I think that that mentality reveals a flawed thinking that we have. And that is that seeking God or making God my priority is something that I, that I just do when I'm reading my Bible. Or that I just do when I'm in prayer. Or that I just do when I'm meditating on something he said. Or I'm just here in church. I believe that seeking God should permeate every aspect of your life. I think it should permeate your career. It should permeate your studies. It should weave its way through your hobbies, your activities, through the way that you relate to people in your life. I think it it should make its way into the way that you handle your finances and all of those things. We seek God in every aspect of our life. He's there. He desires to be involved. He wants to be engaged in those things, no matter what it is. I had a conversation with my nine-year-old daughter not too long ago. We were just sitting at the dinner table, and we were talking about stuff, and and, uh, it was one of those life lesson moments, right? As a parent, I try and give those. They're not always well-received, but I, I, I dole them out on regu- regularly. And so I was just talking about the fact that, hey, you know, God wants to be glorified by everything we do in our life. Whether it's, you know, sports or the way you do your schoolwork or the way you treat your friends. Our, our primary goal is to bring God glory. And we happen to be eating at the time. And she said, you mean even when I'm eating? I'm supposed to give glory to God. She thought, I got the old man now. (laughs) And her eyes got this big when I said, yeah, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Yes. Close your mouth when you chew. (laughs) No matter what we do in life, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. I think if you're a business person here today, I think you ought to strive to be the best business person that you can possibly be. Why? For the glory of God. If you're a mom or a dad, I think you ought to be the best mom or dad you can possibly be. Why? Not so you have well-adjusted, polite kids. For the glory of God. If you're a person here that's a stay-at-home mom or you're a, or a single person or you're... It doesn't matter if you're a person that enjoys music or you're a person that likes to mountain bike. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's, that has to be our mentality. That's making God my priority in life. I think that's where God wants us to live. You see... Our central priority in life is going to determine how we pursue all the other priorities of life. My central priority is going to dictate how I live the rest of my life. And he needs to be that priority. Number three, live one day at a time. That's what he's saying here in verse 34. 
He's saying, look, there's enough stuff to deal with today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Let's deal with today. Don't, you know, worry can't change your past. We do stuff, and after we do it, we spend our time, right? We're like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. Or, what if, what if they think about, what, what do they think about me now? And oh my goodness, I wish I hadn't posted that on Facebook, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> all this, oops, yeah, oops. And we worry, we worry, we worry. Did it change it? No. no, not at all. And we think about the future, right? Oh. Oh, tomorrow. What if this happens? Oh. Does it alter the future? No. All, all worry does is make the present miserable. Doesn't change the past. Doesn't impact the future. It just makes your right now really rough. It really does. And so God wants us to live in the moment. To deal with things as they arise. And not in anticipation. I mean, open the umbrella when it starts to rain. That's another way to say it. When it starts to rain, open your umbrella. But until then, just keep it put away. The most worrisome phrase in the entire English language is, what if? What if they say this? What if they do this? What if I lose my job? What if that investment tanks? What if, what if I don't get that promotion? What if, and all these things, <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I spend my time, usually, most of my worry time is about things that never even happen. We need to refuse to live in the hypothetical world. And stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. Deal with things as they arise. Don't allow yourself to go there fight that tendency that's within each and every one of us don't live in the hypothetical world anymore because worrying about the future blinds you to what god's trying to do in your life right now i've got this uh this cup of water here nab this out of the kitchen i'm stealing stuff all over the place today Scientists have done studies, and they figured this out, that a, a dense, crippling fog that can engulf about a seven-square-block area, so like pea soup, can't see, hand in front of your face, fog, contains the equivalent amount of water that's in this glass. I mean, if you took it all and you condensed it down, you'd have a glass of water. Think about that. This little bit of water is able to cripple an entire city. A seven square block area. Think about that. Little bit of water. It's able to cripple so you can't see what's going on. In our life, just a little bit of worry blinds us what God is trying to do in our life today. And so I think this is a battle that's worth fighting. I think it's a battle that you and I need to engage in. 
Don't blow it off and say, oh, you know, I'm just a worrier. That's just me. I just worry about everything. No, you're not. You're not intended to be that way. You're not intended to live that way. There's, there's no spiritual experience that you're going to go through in life that's going to cause you all of a sudden not to be a worrier. You're not going to leave here today and go, oh, that's it. I'm done. Never going to worry again. This isn't going to happen. It is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment choice that we make. You don't have to worry. You choose to do that. Nobody is, nobody's making you worry. You are choosing to do that. And so as we go through life, and we feel ourselves start to worry, we need to ask ourselves, am I, am I trusting him? Am I, is my faith small? Am I really trusting him? We need to say, wait, is he my priority? Or have I allowed something else to slide into his spot? We need to ask ourselves, am I living in the day? Or am I worrying about something that may never even happen? We need to stop. We need to ask ourselves these questions. We need to make the adjustments that are necessary in our life. Let me ask you this. What's got you worried today? As you sit here this morning, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? Unless you've told me, I obviously don't know the answer to that question for you. I know what it is for me. But, I don't, but God knows what you're worried about. God knows what's laying heavy on your heart. God knows where you're experiencing anxiety in your life. And he knows exactly what you need. He does. We simply need to trust him, make him our priority, and stay in the moment. Deal with things as they come. Make him first in your life. Trust him in every aspect of your life. Pursue him with every aspect of your life. And know that he is going to come through. That's where we need to live. My challenge for you today is pretty simple. In your bulletins this morning, there was a card, and it's got Matthew 6, 33 on it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want you to take that. Many of you may already have that memorized, but I want you to memorize that verse this week. I want you to commit that to memory. And then this week, for the next seven days, every time you feel yourself start to worry, whether it's at work, or it's about something at home, or it's here at school, or it's about some relational thing, or what somebody thinks about you, and you're worried about that thing, I want you to quote that in your mind. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And I think as we do that, it will reset our focus. It will adjust our priorities and help us to better battle the worry and the anxiety that we all struggle with from time to time. I believe that no worries can be our new motto. I, I seriously, I think we can say that and mean it. No worries. 
Don't worry about it. It's going to take some adjustment. It's going to take some work. It's going to take us applying some principles from his word. But I think that's where God desires for us to live. I think God wants to see us go through circumstances with a worry-free attitude, trusting him, making him our priority, staying in the moment, and people will see our faith as we go through that. I believe that a follower of Jesus' life, with respect to worry and many other things, ought to be different. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but as we read through that passage, Jesus said, the Gentiles seek after these things. And when he says Gentile, I mean, if you're not Jew, you're a Gentile, but what he means is unbelievers. Unbelievers seek after these things. And he's telling us, look, you need to be different. There needs to be something different about your life, the way you operate, the way you do life, especially as it relates to worry. You have a Father in heaven that loves you. Trust him. Make him the priority. Pursue him. Don't, let, don't allow your eyes to move from here to here, because when they do, my anxiety level goes up. And stay in the moment. Don't allow yourself to live in the hypothetical world. If we can do those things, I believe that we, whatever we're doing, can bring God glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and kindness. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. I thank you for this passage and how it gives us direction about how to live a life free from worry. Boy, I pray that our faith would grow, that we would learn to trust you more, that you would be the priority of our life, that we would pursue you and your kingdom in everything that we do, that our life would be about that. And Lord, I pray that you give us the strength to stay in the moment. Don't allow our past or things that may or may not happen in the future to rob us of what you're trying to do in our life right now. I pray that you'd be with us this week as we strive to commit uh, Matthew 6.33 to our memory and that each time we feel ourselves begin to be anxious or worried about something, that we would simply quote that in our heart, Lord, and that you would use it to take away the anxiety that we're feeling. Lord, be with us over the next few weeks as we continue on in this study. Help us, Lord, to be people that can truly live by the motto, no worries. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, 